0: Welcome to Food Forward, Nourishing the World with your host, Alan Weiner. Over the next hour, you'll explore the innovative and ever-evolving solutions in everyone's favorite topic, food. Now, here's your host,
1: Alan. Greetings, everybody, from the Sunshine State. My name is Alan Weiner, and I'm your host for Food Forward, Nourishing the World here on Voice America. Each week, we will explore the innovations and trends shaping the future of food. From sustainability to technology, we'll uncover the flavors of tomorrow. In plain speak, we will discuss all things food, some crucial to our well-being and some just for fun. If this is your first time tuning in, you haven't missed anything, as this is the inaugural episode of Food Forward. Today, three experts armed with their crystal balls will talk about key trends in the world of food today as well as in the near future. Before we dive into our first guest, a word about me and my motivation to launch this radio show slash podcast. For me, this show represents the intersection of three passions, food, technology, and radio. From hanging out around my sister's friend's pirate radio station when I was a kid to working at my college radio station and to later being a guest on talk shows in Seattle and around the world, radio has been in my blood. Couple that with my career as a restaurant critic, food writer, and tech analyst, I bring to the virtual airways a perfect storm, or at least a few bolts of lightning here and there. Now the audience is crucial to the future of Food Forward. I want to hear from you. You can email me at Allen, A-L-L-E-N, at foodforwardradio.com, and or follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. As for Twitter, excuse me, X, I'm not so sure. What better way to kick off our first show than with a very special guest? a man that not only have i worked with for several years but someone i'd like to call a friend michael wolf michael is a leading authority in the world of food tech as publisher of the spoon and host of conferences webinars speaking engagements you name it michael's insights and analysis has been instrumental in shaping our understanding of the world of the food tech landscape so Michael, welcome to the first episode of Food Forward. It's great to be here. What an honor. Oh, uh, my pleasure. So just as a really quick background, uh, Michael and I share kind of a common heritage. We had parallel careers. Uh, I worked for um, one market research company and Michael worked for another, covering a lot of the same companies, a lot of the same people. And I think it was that foundation of technology and the application of technology that drew us both to the world of food because it was an area ripe for innovation. Um, so one of, one of the areas that I know Michael has spent a lot of time in is the smart kitchen. That is individual appliances that work um, with an individual and their, and their um, apps as well as connected appliances in a kitchen that major manufacturers are working with. Um I know it's been not in the headlines as much of late Michael. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with smart kitchens.
2: Yeah, I think that was the entry point for me into the future of cooking because I was just fascinated with you know smart home technologies and as soon as I saw technology entering the kitchen in terms of helping it reshape uh, the meal journey, it just became really interesting to me. So early on, you know, t- you know, 10 years ago, a lot of it was, hey, let's add Wi-Fi or control an oven with an app. And that was interesting for to a certain degree. But over the last couple of years, I think what we started to see is, uh, you know, consumers are saying, hey, what, how, how can I really use technology to uh, make my meal planning easier? So I think a lot of the innovation has been in things like applications around recipes, and doing personalized meal planning, et cetera. And now with the advent of new artificial intelligence technologies, like you know, chat GPT, people are starting to use that to do, hey, let's create a personalized meal plan. Let's, let's make a recipe just for me that I like with all these different inputs. And the companies that are building these technologies are plugging in these AI technologies to help accelerate uh, their application. So I think we're still kind of at a very ripe time for innovation and uh it's a really fun time to follow the space
1: so the companies that were you know already innovating in this space the samsung's of the world the lg's of the world now do they have to go back and start over and say okay um how do we incorporate ai into what we're doing or can they just kind of already use what they have as a platform and springboard into this new world
2: I think because AI, uh, particularly generative AI, is largely a software-driven, I don't think they need to kind of reshape all their product platforms. They can take their you know, refrigerators or whatever their cooking appliances are and say, hey, how can we make the consumer experience more innovative and more personalized? Because a lot of it is around content. And so whatever shows up on that screen or comes out of that voice uh, assistant that you have may be more personalized and inter- interactive. And let's not forget, these companies have been using AI largely in the form of things like computer vision and machine learning for for years. You know, AI wasn't invented in 2022 when it became more on the consumer mind uh, because of ChatGPT. It's been technology that's been in, in use and being embraced by companies for at least a decade or more. And so I, I don't think that it's entirely new. We're just paying more attention to it because of the the new wave of, you know,
1: generative AI. Is there one company in particular, um, a major company, not the, you know, tons of startups that we see that you think is going to be the first one to come out with something really interesting that, you know, wows the consumer and it becomes more than a nice to have?
2: Oh, that's a great question, Alan. Um, I mean, I never count out a company like Amazon that has, you know, lots of, uh, they have like their innovation engine research companies like Lab 126, that are filing tons of patents. They actually have filed a patent on a refrigerator that has like an electronic nose in it that can sense when your your lettuce or other produce is starting to get a little past its prime and send you a notification. Now, that hasn't been productized yet. They're just like one of those companies that constantly is filing for innovation. Another company that is always doing that is Google. And Google, for some reason, has obviously been embracing... AI because they're one of the world leaders in that in the in the platforms there, but they always have this weird fixation with a lot of their uh, moonshots with food adjacent properties. So they just spun spun out a company called Mineral hmm. out of their X Innovation Lab that is all about reinventing agriculture using artificial intelligence. At the same time, they've also had a vertically focused innovation uh, division focused on on aquaculture. So how do we? do thing like farm fish and use AI to make that more innovative and make it more sustainable. So I think I wouldn't rule out either Google or Amazon and coming out with a kind of a mind-blowing next-generation technology. And then when we get in more in the consumer-facing companies like, a, you know, a Samsung or an LG, you know, those guys always try to do big swings every year. For example, at CES, when they talk about, hey, here's what's next in the kitchen, I wouldn't rule out them with coming out with uh, an interesting thing. A couple of years ago, Samsung introduced like a one of those multi-armed cooking chefs. They never actually sent it out into the world, but it was a demo that they're showing at CS, the, the the home chef robot. So I, I could certainly see them maybe in a couple of
1: years really making that a product. Interesting, interesting. Certainly a topic that we could probably talked the entire hour about. (laughs) For sure. Um, I sent over a list of what I saw as eight future trends that are going to impact the world of, particularly consumers and there's sustainability, technology and innovation, health and wellness foods, transparency and traceability, alternative proteins, food waste reduction, ghost kitchen and food delivery technology, and lastly, urban farming and indoor agriculture. Hmm. So let's kind of go round robin here. Hmm. Of those eight, which is the one that you believe um, has the greatest success of having the greatest impact?
2: I think from a carbon reduction and kind of slowing the overall warming of the earth or climate change, I think food waste reduction is the easiest and lowest hanging fruit because we, you know, the numbers are pretty uh, out there. They've been talked about a lot, but roughly 35 to 40% of all the food we buy goes to waste. But if we just were able to better optimize, you know, how we buy food and, you know, Manage the food that we have, whether that's in our consumer kitchens or in the restaurants or just in the grocery stores. I think that's that's the easiest, most low-hanging fruit to where we don't waste that food, don't waste all the resources that go into it, and then ultimately don't send it to the um, you know the the, the dump where you know, it emits carbon into the atmosphere. I think from there, I think personalization uh, and health and wellness are very closely tied. I think, by and large, you know the the the, the pharmaceutical industry and that wellness industry has been very much one size fits all, because we haven't had the technology to really personalize it around our own personal, individual biomarkers and health health particulars, or you know genetic traits that we may have that lead to certain diseases. But with all the information that's coming from, for example, low cost DNA discovery. And testing the ability to test our microbiome, and then to instantly or pretty quickly build either you know vitamins or uh, you know d- meals around that that would really kind of tailor to our specific uh, wellness uh, particulars. I think that that has real potential to be game changing because I think you agree, Alan. I think so much of our, ultimately how we feel and our our wellness is so much tied to our diet. And not necessarily uh to what pills we take i think if we could just kind of turn that on its head and say hey it's not something that you you uh react to it's, it's something that you could proactively change the way you are uh, feel and the way your, your health is by what your diet is i think that has real potential
1: um i'm gonna say that for me i like sustainability and alternative proteins i've been watching way yeah. too many documentaries um, first about the mm. dirty dozen, yeah. uh, the, the, the things that are oversprayed, uh, and, you know, the, the truth about really what's organic and what's not organic. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a documentary right now on Netflix about the poison in our food. And it's scary. And this really is gonna take an effort from everybody, from the farmer to the government and regulation Mm -hmm. to consumers being aware. And then for alternative proteins, um, I, I think you have to look at this generationally. So the first generation of alternative proteins that became popular, the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Burger, which themselves are coming out with new products are going to take us into a new generation of proteins. And some of them are mycelium based that um, do not have, they have these clean labels, which is a term I don't really like, but they're they're cleaner in terms of of ingredients. And our, our show next week deals with alternative proteins. And we're gonna talk to some experts in that field, including someone really big in the, Um, lab grown or cultured meat space. Um, Let me kind of flip this and tell you that the one that I feel is the least likely to take hold is urban farming and indoor agriculture. Mm. I think that we have indoor farming fatigue and you're seeing companies fall by the wayside. What's your take?
2: Yeah, I think that it's so expensive to build these, you know, automated robotic indoor farms that it's just too capex heavy. And I think what we see, and it's a very North American centric approach. If you look outside of North America and Asia and, and Europe, for example, they're bringing new tech, new farming technologies to traditional more outdoor farms. And I think that's the approach. There's nothing more productive than soil uh, under the sun. And if we can use new technologies to grow faster, more quickly, I think, uh, and even organically, I think that's the way to go.
1: Oh, I I, I totally agree. And one of the things for me, and I know that in some of the early interviews for stories I wrote for you, one of my biggest issues was the, the very narrow scope for consumers, especially what they can grow in, in in their homes. You can't grow, you know, root vegetables, for example. And, you know, I, I once did a story on a company called Paul Potato. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or read about <laughs> yeah. them, but I'm going to tell you, that is not for the faint of heart it is it is really difficult to do and when you're getting weather like for example we have here in the Sunshine State it's it's pretty challenging Michael I sadly say that we are at the end of our time here it has been a true pleasure to have you on I look forward to having you on um as many times as you're willing to be on the show And uh, I want to thank you for your time and your great comments. And we will be back after this message.
0: Follow Voice America at
3: Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. From the vivid imagination of acclaimed author Alan Weiner comes a mystery series that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Meet Max Rosen, a spirited young newspaper reporter who finds himself entangled in a web of suspense, secrets, and danger. In what goes up, Rosen's instincts lead him to a mystery that soars beyond expectations. This journey continues in Tickle Takedown, where the stakes get higher, the mysteries deeper, and just when you think you have him figured out, Max evolves a nose job, taking us into the mature and thrilling world of investigative journalism. Alan Weiner crafts a world filled with adventure, where every clue counts, every lead matters, and every page turns faster than the last. Dive into the Max Rosen Mysteries series today, available now on Amazon.com. Max Rosen Mysteries, where intrigue and adventure await at the turn of every page brought to you by Alan Weiner, writing stories that take you on a journey, one mystery at a time.
1: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Food Forward with Alan Weiner. Have a question for Alan or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to
1: the show. Welcome back to Food Forward, Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. I'd like to thank Michael Wolf, who was the publisher of The Spoon, for his great comments and and michael um if you want to get more information about him and his inf- and and his website go to thespoon.tech it's a daily uh, summary and digest of, of all things that are interesting in the food tech world so we're now thrilled to welcome a true trailblazer jennifer Stojkovic. not only is she a leading voice in the tech industry but she's also the founder of the Women's Vegan Summit, something, of course, we want to hear more about. That's an initiative that unites and empowers women in the vegan community. Her dedication to innovation, diversity, and ethical living has made her an inspiring figure for many. Now, whether you're interested in technology, veganism, or both, you're going to want to enjoy this conversation. So join me in a warm welcome to Jennifer Stojkovic, Jen, thanks so much for joining us.
4: Hi, Alan. Very excited to be here. And you totally nailed the last name.
1: (laughs) Well, I've spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe in the last several years, um, so I think it was pretty easy for me.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I can always tell somebody's uh, been over to that part of the world when they know how to use the the J sound.
1: (laughs) So yesterday on LinkedIn, you posted some information about... Tyson um, Chicken, the the, the company that produces, uh, raises chickens and produces chickens, and they're closing a number of plants. So that's one data point. And in addition to that, Beyond Meat, which is one of the the really well-known brand names in the world of of alternative protein, um, really has, has seen its value drop. So if you were to take these two things together, In your mind, what does that mean?
4: So we're seeing massive shifts when it comes to food buying. And this is across the entire category, you know, whether we're looking at alternative protein, traditional protein, consumers are buying less. They're buying a lot less and they're buying a lot cheaper items. Um, Inflation has hit hard, not just the plant-based space, but the meat industry in particular, um, beef is the one that you're seeing the most when it comes to the cost rising. Um, but people are actually literally buying less protein right now, um, which is very unique. And so um, various different factors are hitting both the alt- proteins as they're facing that price premium. Uh, consumers are looking to understand, you know, I don't have that money that I had during the pandemic, perhaps. I don't have... Um, the same buying power that I had before. And so perhaps I'm not going to make those same exploratory purchases that I did then. I wanna go back to basics, Um, but then on the meat side of things, those basics have gone up in price substantially. Uh, So you're seeing consumers buying less chicken, buying less pork, and even buying less beef. So
1: what's next? I mean, I know that Purdue, for example, is creating a hybrid product that is part chicken, and part alternative protein. Um, is that gonna be a thing or, or, or not?
4: So that's a funny question, Alan, because we've already been eating blended products for decades. Uh, So the meat industry has historically always used uh, fillers, predominantly soy protein to include in many of their processed meats, predominantly chicken nuggets. What's kind of funny is that now you're hearing it at the forefront. They're actually labeling the products as such, but there's always been uh, some inclusion of plant-based protein in meat products, um, processed meat products. Actually a few years ago, neither of the top two major fast food chains tested positive for more than 50% meat in their nuggets. So it's not new, um, but the branding of it as such and trying to build a halo effect is new.
1: Interesting. So like with Michael, I sent over a list of the eight um, trends that i've picked up as the ones that are going to have the greatest impact and again sustainability technology and innovation which i know you know a lot about health and wellness transparency and traceability alternative proteins food waste reduction ghost kitchens and food truck tech and urban farming and indoor agriculture now i know that you are an investor in this space where would you put your money?
4: Well, uh, Michael pretty eloquently covered uh, what's going on with vertical farming. I think there's there's no secret that not every aspect of food technology is, is working out uh, in the way that we expected. So it wouldn't be over there. Uh, I believe that in terms of the future of the way that we eat, um, sustainability is no longer a nice to have. It's It's kind of a core value proposition that we need now that we're facing a historic water shortage affecting one in eight Americans. So there is going to be shifts to the way that we produce food. Um, that is gonna result in a need for more protein um, that can be produced with less resources. So I think alternative protein is a big part of that Uh, and other aspects of of reinventing protein, everything from cultivated meat all the way down to um, the blended products, including plant-based proteins. That's that's where I think um, we're gonna see most of the attention paid.
1: Now, I know that you have a significant background in the world of technology and there are a bunch of technologies that are impacting the food world from from AI to 3D food printing. Where do you see um, those innovations and others heading uh, and changing the way the consumers select, prepare, and consume food over the next several years?
4: Well, artificial intelligence to start has tremendous opportunity from an R&D and innovation standpoint. So when it comes to creating new food products, particularly uh, being able to create new food products that um, emulate or, or beat the ones that we're currently facing on the market, that's a huge thing. AI could totally transform uh, hyper-realistic, and we're already seeing this uh, plant-based proteins, for instance. Um, with the, the processing capabilities, we're able to take a look at thousands and thousands of different um, ingredients and proteins all at once in a way that we couldn't do before. So that's gonna be, I think, a huge part of how technology is gonna transform these next few years. Um, certainly consumers you know, are using it now, as you said in the last segment. Um, I think right now though, where the economy is at the vast majority of consumers are really like looking for price point. They're not looking for premium products. And so I don't know that the average consumer is going to be utilizing it as much as um, the R&D perspective of companies.
1: Now, Michael talked a little bit about food waste reduction. Being a technologist, where does technology fit in? So for example, um, my wife and I purchased this product called a Lomi, which allows you Mm -hmm. to put you know, your food waste in there and it turns it into, into mulch, but it's costly. So what can be done with technology to eliminate food waste? Now, I understand there's other things you can do, um, such as using technology in the grocery store so that products that have a closer, um, you know, spoil date are in the front, but you know, what else can be done to to help food waste? Because, people are going hungry and it's, it's just, just sad. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing when we talk about food waste that I think for folks to understand is that meat and animal products accounts for about three quarters of all global supply emissions from food waste. So that is the lion's share by far. Um, It's only about 2.4% are from fruits and vegetables. And so what would make most sense is for us to actually address the products that are creating the vast majority of the emissions. And that's a big challenge right now, because you are seeing drastic amounts of dumping of dairy products, in particular in the US. Um, There's actually a Bloomberg expose about two weeks ago that found that farmers are now spraying milk onto their crops because there is such an oversupply of it. And so from my perspective, the first thing we should be doing is taking a look at the policies that we have in place um, with the government that are creating an oversupply that are contributing to this food waste and addressing those. Because if we continue to incentivize for us to oversupply products that then create the majority of the emissions in the supply chain, like, we, you know, we're never going to get anywhere. It can't just be about the consumer demand. We have to look at what the government's actually creating as well.
1: And that's crucial across a number of these areas. Now, I know that you're involved in the world of venture capital. So let me ask you a question that I've always asked venture capitalists. I know that you've invested, I don't know whether it's personally or through your group, in New School Foods, a company that's creating an alternative protein that's salmon, tastes like salmon, looks like salmon. What is it that you look for in an investment? Is it the people, I know this is going to be all things, everything, but the people, the technology, the market, what exactly do you look for?
4: Well, all of the above, certainly. Uh, I focus specifically on early stage investments, so everything from pre-seed to small series A. So at that stage, you're really looking at the founder. It's all about the people and who is driving this thing forward. Are these the people that can really get from zero to one? But I think you know more than that if you want to get into the nuance of of the food technology space and what's most important to look at right now from an alternative protein perspective um being able to get the price down as i said earlier the reason that consumers are consuming less meat less plant-based meat all of it is price that means that we need to really think um from a large perspective how are we going to make these affordable products? So I look at companies that have diversified markets. You know, there might be a product that you can sell at food commodity pricing, but could also be sold at, larger margins for biopharma or medical usage. Um, the vast majority of the big ingredient companies and folks like Cargill, the way they're able to get food prices down is by having a balanced portfolio of various different margins in different industries. So that's actually the biggest thing I'm looking at right now from an investor perspective specific to the industry.
1: So before we get to learning more about the Vegan Women's Summit, I wanna go back to a comment that, that I made in my interview with Michael when i looked at the the trends that are going to have the most and least impact mine was urban farming and indoor agriculture do you agree with me or or do you see it differently
4: i would love to believe that we could come anywhere close to supplying our food chain with with urban fire, farming and indoor agriculture but we we can't just you know the numbers the sheer volume that is required to produce food it's not going to work in those situations so i agree with you
1: so the vegan women's summit how did it start and tell us about you know how it's how it's grown and what we can look forward to in terms of of events and information
4: so the vegan women's summit is the now largest future of food summit of the year uh, and we started 3 years ago as really just a concept of how we could bring together women that were dedicated to seeing a better food space. It's no secret that while women <laughs> purchase 93% of consumer food uh, purchases, we are not the sole um, you know executives and leaders and investors at the top. And so there's a disproportionate amount of people that are not being represented um, when it comes to food. And so we really wanted to create a space that elevated uh, women's leadership, specifically women of color leadership. We started with 250 women three years ago. We now have uh, probably over 70,000 women professionals across six continents. conference that we had this year in New York. We partnered with the mayor of New York City, had members of the EU, celebrities, um, some of the biggest names uh, all across the world participated. And we had over 1,100 people in a sold out crowd. Uh, It's truly becoming what I consider to be the South by Southwest of food. Uh, We wanna create a cultural point for people to come together and talk about um, a better food system. We also do sustainable fashion, uh, beauty, other types of biotechnology. Uh, all things animal-free innovation, and about thirty percent of our attendees are men. I want to circle back
1: to um, one last question, and it has to do with um, investments. Can you share with us a company that you know about that is going to be big that we're going to hear a lot about in the coming year in the world of, you know, food tech or alternative proteins or one of the you know major trends.
4: So I think there's going to be a lot of intersection between alternative proteins and uh, beauty. So that's a market that is set to explode. Uh, Many of the different animal ingredients that we consume are very highly used in the beauty industry. So we just made a big investment um, in a cell-based collagen company. Uh, Collagen is a skyrocketing market right now and is um, heavily linked to deforestation in the Amazon so some of those ingredients i think are some of the bigger things you're going to hear in these next few years uh not so much maybe consumer packaged goods but biotechnology companies that are laser focused on some of the most high value ingredients
1: interesting interesting well jen i appreciate the great conversation so we've been speaking with jennifer stoikovich so stay tuned we'll have more after these messages
3: Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter.
0: Follow us at Voice America TRN.
3: From the vivid imagination of acclaimed author Alan Weiner comes a mystery series that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Meet Max Rosen, a spirited young newspaper reporter who finds himself entangled in a web of suspense, secrets, and danger. In what goes up, Rosen's instincts lead him to a mystery that soars beyond expectations. This journey continues in Tickle Takedown, where the stakes get higher, the mysteries deeper, and just when you think you have him figured out, Max evolves a Nose Job, taking us into the mature and thrilling world of investigative journalism. Alan Weiner crafts a world filled with adventure, where every clue counts, every lead matters, and every page turns faster than the last. Dive into the Max Rosen Mysteries series today, available now on Amazon.com. Max Rosen Mysteries, where intrigue and adventure await at the turn of every page. Brought to you by Alan Weiner, writing stories that take you on a journey, one mystery at a time.
5: Welcome to the debut episode of Food Forward, Nourishing the World, live on Voice America. Join us at 1pm Eastern on August 9th as we delve into the future of food. Our first guest is Jennifer Stojkovic, a food tech leader and founder of Vegan Women Summit. We'll also be joined by Oliver Zahn, founder and CEO of Climax Foods. We'll explore how Climax Foods is modeling dairy and other animal products directly from plant ingredients. Let's start off with future food trends and see where that takes us. How are these trends shaping our food systems and what does it mean for our future? What role does technology play in these evolving trends? Join us as we explore these questions and more on Food Forward. Tune in next Wednesday at 1pm Eastern on Voice America. If you miss any of our live shows, don't worry, they will be available on all major podcast platforms. Join us as we journey forward, nourishing the world one episode at a time. Opinions, options,
1: answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Food Forward with Alan Weiner. Have a question for Alan or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791.
1: Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Food Forward: Nourishing the World. I'm your host, Alan Weiner. In addition to you being able to call in and ask questions, um, I want you—I want to hear from you. Uh, I can only kind of use my own uh, insight into the food space to come up with topics that are going to be of interest to everybody. So, if you want to communicate with us, let me remind you that you can reach me by email, Alan at foodforwardradio.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And the show, I believe, after uh air after it's airing uh live will be available on my particular show page. And in a few weeks it will be available as a podcast or radio on demand if you will uh through all of your you know favorite Podcast platforms. Now, next week's guests are going to talk about alternative proteins, and I know you're not going to want to miss this. And let me tell you why. One of the people that we're talking to is um, Jennifer um, Jennifer, who is the uh, Jennifer Chen. Pardon me, the COO of Upside Foods. And anybody who's been following the food industry knows that Upside Foods is one of the companies that has received USDA and FDA approval to um, sell and serve lab grown food, which is hopefully going to be a big, big business that's going to attack the world of sustainability, alternative proteins, and more. In addition, we'll have Paul Shapiro from the Better Meat Co., and we'll have Amos Golan um, from one of the biggest Israeli startups. So um, we have heavy duty topics coming up. But let me remind you that we're also going to kind of touch into some of the things that maybe not is as, as mission critical. So, for example, we're going to talk about fermenting, and you know, fermenting for a lot of people means pickles and sauerkraut. But there's been a lot of talk about probiotics and the value that they have in your diet, particularly your your gut health. And my wife and I have been um, we've been kombucha brewers, kombucha drinkers and pickle makers for quite a while and i think it's um you know something that people should do more of kind of a- as a preventative for for gut health. We're going to talk about foraging, one of my favorite topics, and with that truffle hunting, which is something that's not just done in Europe. It's it's done uh, in various forms in North Carolina, in Georgia, and in particular Up in Oregon. We're going to talk about harvesting sea salt and the role that sea salt plays in your diet. Now, my wife and I have had the opportunity uh, about a month ago to visit a sea salt farm, believe it or not, in Zadar, Croatia. And we got to see how the sea salt is cultivated and learn things like Flower of the salt, which is the top layer of salt, which is the you know the the best for you. We're going to talk about farmers markets. Um, not only are we going to talk about you know how to get the most out of farmers markets. Hopefully, we're going to share uh, some of the farmers markets that you go to, as well as the ones that my my wife and I have been to. And honestly, it is our goal, our dream to go to every farmers market in the world. And you know, a few notable ones that I would have to call out, number one is the Ballard Market in Seattle. It's a Sunday market. You have the Santa Monica Farmer's Market, which I believe is Wednesday and Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Santa Monica, California. It is amazing. And of course, the Marin County Farmer's Market, which is one where all of the great chefs in the Bay Area uh, get their products from. We're going to talk about chocolate because chocolate has a lot of, of health concerns. It alleviates a lot of health concerns. And again, you know, I know a little bit about chocolate making. We've taken some chocolate making courses and we'll go through that and you know, what to look for in chocolate. I hope that we get to talk about green zones. Green zones are something uh, which is a worldwide phenomenon where there are certain traits that different parts of the world have where people have longer lives. So if you, longer lives, pardon me. So if you want to know more about human sustainability, you know, that's going to be a great topic. Um, We're also going to talk about affordable technology that you need to know about. As an example, um, the Lomi that I mentioned, which is a product that you basically plug in and you put some charcoal filters in and you can put your food waste in, and you can also put nut shells, you can put plastic bags, and you'd be surprised at the amount of, of garbage that you save by using the Lomi. Uh, you'll wind up putting very little in a cart out to the sidewalk each week. And then lastly, we're going to talk about supermarkets. Now, you're wondering, okay, supermarkets, how interesting can that be? Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Take my word for it. Um, we're going to talk about supermarket trends. Believe it or not, you know major supermarkets aside from a few major chains are you know trying to innovate more and particularly use things like AI. Uh, as an example that I mentioned uh, previously on, on one of the interviews, there's a company, and again, I believe they're in Israel that is using technology to couple with a supermarket's database of, of food. And what it does is it works with the database and it allows companies, food food supermarkets to put products that have a closer uh, expiration date to the front and also charge less for them. Sounds pretty cool, and hopefully we'll get the company uh, on the show to talk about how it works and and all of that. Um, also, you know what I one of the things that people ask me, as a vegan is, you know, how did you become a vegan and why did you become a vegan? And I'm gonna start now talking a little bit about the journey that my wife and I took 12 years ago in becoming um, vegans. You know, people become vegans for a number of reasons. Some are because of the treatment of animals and some others are for health concerns. And in our case, we each had one of those and together, we just basically you know, became vegans. And, and the story of how it happened is quite interesting. We were living in Austin, Texas at the time, and a man named Rip Esselin, who was a firefighter, whose father is a famous cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic, had done a bunch of work in understanding what vegan lifestyle can do for a lot of your, your health benefits so he had two gentlemen in his fire station engine two in Austin and he put them on vegan diets and within a, a relatively short period of time they saw you know less cholesterol they had just amazing results and lost some weight so rip who lived in Austin um had a had a big party at his house which was a very large house and he had this you know long brick fence around his house. And he invited anybody who was interested to come to his house to learn more about becoming a vegan and to bring with uh, a vegan dish. So when we arrived, there had to be a hundred dishes of various types. We had dips, you had main dishes, and I got to talk to Rip. And that day we became vegans. And I'm gonna tell you 12 years ago, becoming a vegan was was really not easy. Um, you didn't have the choices of alternative proteins that you have today. And we had to learn to make our own vegan burgers. Um, you didn't have the cheese assortment that you had today. Uh, there was no Miyoko's. There was no um, uh, you know, Whole Foods brand vegan cheese. There was no tree line. There was no vegan yogurt there was you know nothing like that and fortunate for us we were living in austin at the time and rip Esselin, who actually came up with the engine 2 diet and had products related to that had a partnership with whole foods and this was before whole foods was purchased by amazon and they started selling his products as well as increasing uh, the shelf space that they gave to, to vegan food. I can tell you, over the 12 years that we have been vegan, um, I have to tell you that it's, it's made a dramatic change in our lives. And a lot of you, you know, it, the, the two biggest commercials that you see on television one is medication for plaque psoriasis, and the other is medication for diabetes. And in 1992, I was diagnosed um, with type two diabetes, which over time morphed into type one, uh, a special kind called type one onset, which is you know, pretty complicated. And I don't even know what it means. And um, the, the clinical thing that they look for when you're a diabetic is something known as your HA1C. And if you see these commercials, You'll see, oh, guaranteed to drop your HA1C below eight, below seven, whatever. I can tell you that my HA1C, um, being a vegan and also exercising, has dropped to uh, no higher than I'm going to say six point five in the last, you know, five years. And I'm going to tell you that that is a major accomplishment. And I have to say that you know the vegan lifestyle plus exercise has played a a major role in that. So I want to um, remind you that next week's guests are gonna be talking about alternative protein. The week after that, we're gonna talk about fermentation and we're gonna have a guest who's gonna talk about fermentation as it relates to sourdough. If you were one of those countless people that were into sourdough during the pandemic, you're gonna learn about a, a product that you can use to make your sourdough last longer hopefully we're going to have a kombucha brewer on um we happen to know quite a few hopefully we'll get one on and um i want to thank you for your time today again feel free to reach us alan at foodforwardradio.com and you can also get us on facebook instagram and linkedin so for feeding your curiosity one bite at a time. For Food Forward, this is Alan Weiner. Until we meet again.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Food Forward. We hope we've given you some insights into the wide world of food. Until we talk again, have a wonderful week.